Uh, tonight we are going to talk about uh, Philippians 2, uh, a passage that probably many of you have heard uh, before. If, uh, it's a passage that we really like inside of the church. Uh, and what we're going to talk about is the path to prestige and authority and blessing within the kingdom of God from Philippians 2. Uh, hopefully, as we go through the passage today, that, that you're going to get some new insights uh, and, and into this passage and, and see it in a way that perhaps you might have not been able to see it before. Uh, there are going to be two major parts tonight. First, we're going to read through the passage and we're going to try to understand exactly what it's saying. And the second part, we're going to see if we can make that mean something for us in our lives today. Uh, not that it wouldn't just by understanding what it's saying, but we're going to try to nail that down a little bit more. So if you've got your Bibles in front of you, we're going to, be, we're going to look at Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Which says this. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love and being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this is a wonderful verse. I love this passage because Paul is usually such a systematic guy. He's really dense. He's really, he likes to put these, these big concepts together. And then all of a sudden, he breaks out into poetry. And it's beautiful, right? The, the, uh, Philippians 2, 2 through 11 is this beautiful description of what Jesus did. And so what Paul is saying here, he's saying is that if you've received any encouragement, if you've received any love, if you have any shared spirit or any tenderness of compassion in your life, if you received any of those things, then make sure you give them to other people. Look first to the interest of others. Paul is adamantly calling the church of Philippi to be united in all things, to be united in love and in spirit and in mind. Paul is pushing the church towards unity, but we see in this passage that he's giving them an example of what that looks like. Unity here isn't a concept that's coming out of the blue. It's not something that hasn't been done before. He says it has been done before, and it's been done by Jesus. He says in verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now, there's a, when the phrase used to its own, its own advantage has a, has a wider meaning than just that. Some translations will say it's, it, it's, it couldn't be something that he need to grasp or retain or hold on to. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself 
by coming obedient to death, even death on the cross. What Paul is saying here is that every time we are in a relationship with someone, we should approach that interaction with the same mind that Jesus does. We should strive to speak and act in the same way he would. Jesus, being in the very essence of God, containing the same quality of God, the same authority as God, the same deserved respect as God, the same power as God, did not consider that to be something that he could use to his own advantage. Jesus has the power, he has the respect, he has the authority and the blessing. That, uh, he, had, he has the power, the respect, and the authority and the blessing to have not come to earth. That action that he did was outside of his normal God responsibilities. He could have rightly used his authority differently, but he chose not to hold on to that, not to grasp what was rightly his, or to hold on to what he deserved. Instead, he made himself nothing, stripped himself of, stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity. He chose not to hold on to that what was his, not to grasp what was rightly his to hold or to, to grab on to what he deserved and instead became one of us. He went from privilege and prestige to human, moving from someone who deserves all admiration and service to someone who just serves. And he even came as a human that was not worshipped by humans. He could have come as a powerful king, the ruler of nations. But he doesn't. He comes as a baby in a stable. Jesus did not come as a person with power in human eyes. He did not rule by force or finance. Yet he lived humbly and obedient to God, even to the point of death, Paul says. And in his case, a torturous and painful death. We see at the end of this passage, because of this humility and obedience, God exalted him. He raised him up to the highest place, to the place of prestige above all people, above all kings, and above all names. It's important to notice as we're looking at this passage that God is the one who raises him up and raises him up high. Jesus does not raise himself up. Raises him to a place that every person, either willingly or unwillingly, right? Those who are above and those who are below, will bow to him and his name. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, not to his glory, but to the glory of the Father. You see, Philippians chapter 2 talks about two things that seem to be in direct contrast to the way the world sees success. Paul spends the first verses of the chapter talking about how we should value others above ourselves and stresses the need for unity within the church. In our society, however, in this world, people gain position and power by taking it for themselves, by showing that they are better than others. And Paul here is suggesting the opposite. We see here that Paul is telling us that the first step to exaltation in in the kingdom of God is is actually humility. And that's important. That's the first point of tonight, that our first step towards exaltation in the kingdom of heaven is humility. Or in other words, according to this passage, the relaxing of what we deserve or can do. Because that's what Jesus did. Who being very nat- in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather made himself Nothing. 
And if we stop and really think about that, if we, if we, can we really grasp what happens here? You see, our world functions on a principle exactly opposite the one that Paul is talking about here. We live, in, we live, we live with the philosophy, if you've got it, flaunt it. If you've earned it, use it, right? We don't, make, we don't ask CEOs to clean toilets, right? We, re, we relax the rules of law for celebrity and sports stars. There are a number of, there are a number of guys right now playing in the NFL who have been uh, convicted for beating up their wives. And we say, yeah, but they're good at football, so that's okay. Whether consciously or not, I think many of, or whether we consciously think about it or not, I think many of us believe that if we continue to work hard, we climb an imaginary ladder of respect and power, and then certain things become beneath us. We view our prestige and power as something that can be used to our advantage. Now, our prestige and power does not have to be used in an evil way, even if it is used to our advantage. It is something that we have earned. The power is real there. In many cases, it's deserved. Right? We give people authority over certain things in this world, and that's an okay thing. But the question is, how hard is it to lay down whatever power you have achieved and do something that feels beneath you? How hard is it to know that you could avoid pain or work or frustration or annoyance if you wanted to because of the power you have achieved? How hard is it then to lay down that power and take whatever's coming? Especially if that's for someone else. How hard is it even to take direction and guidance from someone who hasn't yet put in their time? But this is the image that Paul is drawing for us. Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not, did not consider equality with God something. Did not wow, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And he could have. He deserved it. He earned it. He possessed all the power and dignity and respect imaginable. And yet he choose, chose to relax what he deserved. Jesus humbled himself by laying down what he deserved and serving us as humanity. And so this whole passage is about being like-minded with Jesus. So the question then is, are you willing to humble yourself by relaxing what you may deserve? To not use the power that you have achieved, rightly or wrongly, for your own advantage, but rather for the advantage of everyone else around you. Are you willing to do that? Business owners, do you view your, or business managers, do you, do you view your employees' needs as more important than your own? Do you even view your, employ, your employees as, 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 as important as you? Parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles, are you using the power that you have to grow and equip your children? Or are you using it to keep them from challenging the areas in your life in which sin may have a stronghold? Those of you who are married, do you view your spouse's needs as more important than your own? Because there are a lot of areas in the marriage that power can be abused and money and leadership and control. Are you focused on laying down your life for your spouse, laying down your desires for the desires of your partner.
You see, the world tells us that in order to succeed, we need to look out for number one, numero uno, this guy or you, right? Or us personally. It, said, it says that, uh, that if, if we want to climb up, we've got to take care of us first, and then maybe we take care of other people. But God says in, in, in uh, Philippians here that in order to succeed, we need to humble number one. In order for us to move forward in the kingdom of God, we must first look away from ourselves and humility towards others. So are we living that way? Do we have faith that God will actually raise us up? It's tough, isn't it? So the first step to exaltation in the kingdom of God is humility. The second step to the exaltation in the kingdom of God is obedience. So Jesus, after releasing, letting go, laying down his power, his prestige, and his deserved respect, didn't come to earth to simply stand around, right? We see all over the New Testament that Jesus is telling us that it's not his will that's being done, but the will of his Father. Jesus, in addition to his humility, was completely and fully obedient to the will of God for him. No matter what God asked, whether it was big or little, and we see it most clearly in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew, tw- Matthew 26, 37 says, He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to him, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And the most amazing words in the Bible, yet not as I will, but as you will. As, and being found in appearance as a human, being, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Have you ever really truly thought about Jesus' obedience to his father? Jesus tells us here in this passage that he did not act on his own will, but the will of his father's. Now, realize many of the things that God asked Jesus to do were most likely not painful or too difficult for him, right? God told Jesus to heal the sick. I'm sure that was great. I, I, would, have, I would love to do that, to see sick people and just heal them. That would be fantastic. He saw them rejoice. He saw their joy. He saw all of those things. Jesus, God asked Jesus to feed the hungry, to calm the storm, to cast out demons, to spread the good news, to love, to laugh, and to live in intimate community with people. And we know from the Bible that those things brought Jesus joy. In your life, God has asked you to do things, and those things bring you joy. They give you life. But we see that Jesus' obedience needed to go further than that. God asked him to fast in the desert. He asked him to call out sinners and confront them and where they're struggling which often caused him to be, missed, to be rejected and misunderstood. God asked Jesus to accept a beating without using his power. I don't know why, but this one always speaks deep, deeply to me. His pain and me are not friends. I don't like being in pain. I don't even like cold water because it's kind of painful. Right? You jump in, it's like all those little needles all over the place. I don't know if any of you are, are, are like me, but have you ever walked around at night 
And especially if you've got little kids, somebody left a door open or something, right? One of the cupboard doors, and all of a sudden you smack your shin into it, you know? God, that's a special kind of anger for me. Just like, oh, right? It's it's not mad at anyone. I'm just mad because it hurt. It's in the middle of the night. I don't know if you, maybe you're not like that. Maybe I'm all alone in that. But it's a special kind of anger. And it, it almost have this desire to just kind of break the door. You know, you don't, I've never done it. I've, it's not like that. But you kind of have that feeling. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right. Okay. So this is a smaller, a smaller deal. But imagine, in those, if, if you think of those kind of situations, imagine you could have the power to wipe out, in a word, whatever's causing you pain. One word, and it's done. Whatever's caused you pain, whatever's caused you hurt, and you could just wipe it out. The question is, could you resist? I'd love right now to be able to say, yes, of course I could. I'm not so sure, right? If I get that angry when I accidentally bump my shin, and now it's fleeting and quick, but if I could smite that door, I might do it, right? Just one word and it's over. But imagine what Jesus went through. He had the power to wipe out with a word everything that was causing him pain. And yet he didn't. While he was beaten, while he was mocked, while he was taunted, knowing the entire time that he could instantly end it if he chose. We know that Jesus was not looking forward to that process. He experienced the pain. He wanted out. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, God, is there any other way we can do this? Is there any other way we can do this? Because I would prefer not to. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He wanted out, but he wanted obedience more. Because he ends by saying, not as I will, but as you will. So Paul is telling us here to live with a mind like Christ with the humility like Christ, but also the obedience that Christ had. So the question is, are we living each day in complete obedience to God? We can see how humility and obedience go hand in hand, can't we? In order for us to achieve prestige and authority and blessing within the kingdom of God, we need to constantly and repeatedly every day lay down our own agenda. On the big things, And on the small things. So the question is, are we living that way? Are you living that way? Am I living that way? Have you set aside your agenda? Whatever the things that you want, the things that you could use for your own advantage for whatever God has in mind for you. Are you willing to endure hardship for the glory of God? Are you willing to follow wherever God leads? Because if you want to live your life as a person of lasting influence within the kingdom of God, you don't have any other choice. And those are hard words. They're hard words for me because I love my own agenda. I always think it's the best one because I'm the one who thought of it. It's really hard to lay that down. But as we look through the Bible, as we look at our heroes of faith, we see over and over and over again that's our example. Think about it. David was a man after God's own heart. He was anointed king. He has the authority given to him by God, and yet he has to hide in caves for years and will not kill Saul. Moses spends 40 years in the desert twice where he has to lay down his own ideas for God's ideas. 
First time he spends 40 years in the desert being a shepherd. The second time he leads a bunch of grumbling people. And sometimes he's like, God, I'm done. I've had enough of this. And God says, no, we've got to keep going. He says, all right, I will. Daniel finds himself in a foreign land, surrounded by foreign gods, facing death on on at least a couple different occasions, and yet follows God into the lion's den. And what we see in each of those examples is that God took care of each one of them. They laid down their agenda. They did what God led them to. And God cared for them. Both in the present situation and in the fact that their faith story has endured till today. My guess is many of you knew who all three of those people were without having to read them. Because their stories persist. So do you want to be a powerful person of faith? Because the first step is humility. The second step is obedience. Jesus humbled himself by relaxing what he deserved. Then he lived in complete and total obedience to God. And as a result, Paul tells us, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The exaltation we achieve in the kingdom of God is in direct proportion to the degree in which we humble ourselves and are obedient to God. Now Jesus humbled himself more than we can ever achieve. He gave up what we cannot imagine in a degree that we just don't have the ability to do because we don't start in the same place. He was obedient to God in all things to the point of death and in his case, a torturous and violent and painful death. And like we said, as a result of that, God exalted him to the highest place. They gave him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Paul is very clear here. Jesus did not exalt himself or give himself the high position. But as a result of his humility and his obedience, God raised him up to the highest of highs. And he'll do the same for you. Jesus achieved this not by looking to his own power and his own will, but by fully and completely submitting himself to God in the good things and in the unimaginably terrible things. Through his perfect humility and obedience, he was exalted. And this, this is a concept that is entirely foreign to the world we live in. And honestly, if we think about it, it's probably a little foreign to each of us. In our culture, here in America especially, we do not find success by being humble and obedient. How do we, get, how do we achieve success in America? We achieve it by striving for it, right? We climb the corporate ladder. We show off our skills so that we can be noticed. We point out how much more capable, more skillful, more equipped, and more, how much better we are than the others around us. That's the way it works, right? That's the only way to get noticed. You may even be hearing this and say, Brent, how in the world am I going to go anywhere if no one ever notices what I do? Because that's the way of the world, right? That's the way things work. We even have the adage, nice guys always finish last, right? 
It's a model of our society. And yet Paul says differently. How hard is it for us not to toot our own horn? That is so hard for me. I'm going to go ahead and just do a little confession right now. That's really hard for me. If I do something good and I feel like no one's noticed it, I feel like I've got to give somebody a little nudge. Hey, did you see what happened over there? I don't know who did it, but it's pretty neat, huh? Right? It's hard to just let it go unnoticed, to do something just for the sake of doing good. It's difficult for us. I don't know if it's just ingrained in our total depravity, if it's ingrained in our brokenness, or if it's just a result of our culture. But we feel like we need to have people notice us. But the Bible says that we don't achieve exaltation in the way, that way in the kingdom of heaven. We achieve it by consistently and excellently considering others more than ourselves. As well as following wherever God leads. Whether that's easy or hard. Because Paul tells us here in Philippians 2, to the degree in which you are willing to dedicate yourself to these principles will be the degree in which you find yourself raised up in the kingdom of heaven. We also see many examples of that throughout the Bible. David is raised up and he's considered to be one of the most humble people, though we do see times in which he becomes arrogant and falls. Moses is supposed to be the most humble man that ever walked the face of the earth. Now, Moses probably wrote that about himself, which is a little weird, but it's got to be true. It's in the Bible, right? But then, but then we also see examples of people who began humble and then fell when they became proud. Saul. King Saul, when he first is anointed king, he's so humble that he doesn't want Samuel to see him, so he hides in a bunch of baggage, right? Which I think has got to be one of the most awkward interactions ever, right? Samuel walks up, lifts it up. Hey, Saul, what are you doing in there? Right? He's already anointed king at that point. That would be kind of weird, right? But he's, that's how humble Saul starts. And he ends his life so arrogant that no one can challenge him or will throw a spear at them. But we even see modern-day modern day examples. Mother Teresa is well-known almost around the entire world simply because of humility and obedience, right? Her name will persist throughout time because of that. As we look through all the great heroes of faith in the Bible, we see that when they succeed, they are not arrogant. And when they succeed, they don't do their own thing. Each person who is positively portrayed in the Bible is, pri is primarily praised because of their humility, even in their prestige, as well as their commitment to follow God. So, in conclusion, the exaltation we achieve in the kingdom of heaven is in direct proportion to the degree in which we humble ourselves and are obedient to God. So the questions then are, do you want to be an important person within the kingdom of God? Do you want to be a prestigious person person within the kingdom of God? Do you want to be a person of authority and a person of blessing? Because it doesn't matter where you started from. Many of the people started in very, very lowly places and God raised them up to very high places. But if you want those things, if you want to be a prominent person within the kingdom, you first have to humble yourself and follow God through thick and thin. Because as Paul tells us, the more you decide to humble yourself and set aside what you deserve for the sake of others around you, the more and the more you seek God's direction and then obediently follow where he leads, the higher you will be raised within the kingdom, both in this life and in the next. 
There is no other way. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had. The first step of exaltation in the kingdom of God is humility. The second step is obedience. And finally, we see that to the degree, the, the degree in which you do those two things, God will raise you up. So we live each day humbly. Strive each day to live in complete obedience to God and see how high God will raise you. Let's pray. Father God, we know, we know that these words are incredibly hard. We know that to have a mind like Christ Jesus in these things, to lay down what we think we've earned or deserved or we, what we actually may have earned or have deserved is hard for us. Lord, our pride gets in the way. Our fallen nature gets in the way. Our, our society and our world gets in the way. God, I pray that your spirit soften our hearts, that you create in us hearts that desire to serve others before ourselves, just like you did for us. Lord, we thank you for the model that you've given in Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the love that you have through him. Lord, we can't fathom how difficult it is in our own minds. It's nearly impossible to fathom the, the, the magnitude of what you did for us. Lord, as we go from this place, we pray that you grant us your spirit of peace and humility. We pray all of these things in your son's name. Amen.